follower of Jesus and what it means to, to live a life that's fully devoted to Christ. This morning we're going to be looking at the question, how do we discern the will of God? And I think it's one of these questions that we all want to know because we want to make sure that we're doing what God is wanting us to do. And, and we know that anytime we try to do things our own way, sometimes if it's not what God wants us to, God allows us to be corrected and allows our paths to be brought back to where he wants us to go. And so this morning we're going to be looking at, well, how do we learn to listen to what God is saying? So let's bow our heads and as we begin. Heavenly Father, you are better than we could ever imagine. Father, we know that your patience is far greater than anything we've ever experienced. So we ask that as we have this conversation about what it means to listen to your will, may you ignite in us, and each one of us who is here, ignite in us more faith and more ability to trust you. And that as those who are here this morning are struggling to listen to your will in one area of their life or another, that through this morning's message, you would give them some clarity. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Have you ever wanted something so bad? I mean, it it, it could be something you wanted to purchase. It could be a relationship that you wanted so badly that you knew God was calling you into this relationship. Or maybe it was a job that you knew you absolutely had to have or something that you just, it, it just captured your every waking moment. If you've ever wanted something so bad, and then you got it, and you realized it's not at all what I thought it was going to be like. Is there, have you all experienced that? Can I get an amen? Just to, yeah, because we're human and that's what we do. Yeah, that's what we do. We, we want things that are so bad. We, we just, we have to have them. And when we finally get to that point where we have them, we realize, huh, perhaps it wasn't at all what I thought it was. And so many times what we find is that we, God will give us this thing that we want. He'll allow those things to happen in our lives just so that in the future when we look back, we realize how good the new thing is. Does that make sense? So a lot of times it's like we look back on our life and we laugh and we say, hey, remember when we wanted that thing and we thought that that was going to make our life so perfect and it actually didn't. And so when it comes to learning to listen to the the will of God and to discern what God is saying, it's not as hard as some of us may think because it's true. Like we want to know, should we take this job or that job? Should we get married to this person or not? Should we move or not? Should, right? So there's all of these constant questions where we're wanting to make sure that we make the right choice in life. But through this morning's message, I, I want to show you that perhaps there isn't always one right way or one best path to, fa- to follow, but rather it's about something that is so much more basic to your life of faith. So I want to begin first with 1 Corinthians chapter 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Because we learn to follow the will of God and we learn to listen to what God is saying, first and foremost, by filling our minds and our imaginations and our conscience with what we find in Scripture. So the first way that we learn to listen to what God is saying to us is to go to the source that has a ton of information about God's character, God's love, and how people for thousands of years have connected to this God and learned to listen to him. So the first thing we do is we look at scripture. And here's one of the things that I think that if you could take this away with you this morning, it would help. 
and goes down to verse 31. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31. Paul says this. So whatever you eat or drink or whatever you do, do everything for what? The glory of God. Whatever you eat, whatever you drink, whatever you do, make sure that everything you are doing is done so that you can give honor and glory to God. I've had so many conversations with people that say, is it sinful if I do this? Is it sinful if I do that? And I tell them, like, first of all, probably if you're asking that question, like, if you have to have a, if there's like a moral dilemma within you about if, whether something is a sin or not, it probably is sinful. Like, let's just be real. Don't come to the pastor's validation because I'm going to tell you, uh, you know, yes, don't do it, you know. <laughs> but do everything you do, your every thought, your every word, what you consume, how you treat other people, how you, how you carry yourself at work, how you carry yourself with people within the church. Whatever you do and whatever was, is within your control, do everything that you can in honor and glory to God. You see, it's much harder to ask that question in the midst of you needing to make a decision than it is to say, is this right or wrong? See, because when we ask God, should I do this or should I do that, what we're really saying is it's more of a selfish conversation where we just want to make sure that our life is going to be great. But the reality is when you ask the question, God, is what I'm about to do going to honor and glorify you or is it going to take away honor and glory from you? Is it going to bring honor and glory to myself? See, when you begin to ask those questions, then you begin to, you have to go into this mode of learning to listen to your conscience and learning to ask the questions, what is going to bring the most honor and glory to God? You see, because you as a child, as a daughter and a son of God, what we are called to do in this world to listen to, and to the will of God is for us to always bring honor and glory to him. Because God has created all things Right, He would say here, like, be thankful for everything that you have because God has created all things. Now, you know, it's interesting if you look at verse 23, just a few verses up. Paul's having this conversation with these other Christians. And so Paul, if you don't know, like, Paul wrote half of the New Testament. But, like, if you really take the time to study, like, Paul was often at odds with some of the other religious people. Like, I don't know if you knew that. And, like, he made no qualms about it. <laughs> like, he was just like just leave me alone is kind of what he would say. But this is what he would say. He says, all things are lawful. So he was talking to people who followed the law and he was like, all things are lawful. Don't worry about it. Like quit making rules for people. This is literally what's going on, all right? So you can argue with me later, but this is what he's saying. But then he says this, but not everything is beneficial. All things are lawful, but not all things build up. Do not seek your own advantage, but that of the other. So this is what he's saying. He's like, look, you're forgiven. Your sins are forgiven. Like, you're going to do everything you can not to sin in your life, and that's great, and you should. But when you do sin, God is forgiving you for that. He says, but now in this new freedom where Jesus has set you free and you are free indeed, in this freedom you can choose things that are going to enslave you, or you can choose things that are going to build you up and choose things that are beneficial. And when you live a life that is lived in honor and glory to God, then everything you do will be build you up, it'll be beneficial, and also it will affect the others for good. So the first thing that we do in learning to listen to the will of God is saying what has already been true for thousands of years 
And God is calling you to honor and glorify him in all that you do. If you can get that right, if you can allow that to, met, to metabolize into your soul, into your mind, into your spirit, if you can do that, then the next story we're going to look at is going to make so much more sense. So let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 12. All right, so Paul, the same guy, is now writing this little snippet of his experience. Remember this, all things in the honor, live for all things for honor and glory for God. Here's what Paul says. When I came to Troas to proclaim the good news of Christ... So he was doing a good thing. A door was opened for me in the Lord. But in my mind, but my mind could not be at rest because I did not find my brother Titus there. So I said farewell to them and I went on to Macedonia. Pause. If God opens a door for you, what do we tell other people to do? You walk through it, right? What do we say? We say things like this. God opens some doors and closes others. If God opens a door, then you better walk through it because what God is preparing for you is going to be far better than you can not only ever imagine, but God is preparing something for you so that you can serve him and bring him honor and glory. Now, Paul, like a Bible all-star, like a theologian of theologians, the guy who, like Paul has literally shaped our theology and how you learn to talk about God, like just know that and how we talk about Jesus and how we talk about salvation. This guy... A door is open for him through the Lord. He goes in there and he's just like, my mind's not at peace. I'm out of here. Like, you know who else did that in the Bible and got in trouble for that? Who? Starts with a J. Now, I know it's different. And I know some of you are going to say, well, he, he, it, was, it is kind of different, but it's also kind of the same. When Jonah, when God calls Jonah, he runs away. He goes away from where God is calling him to go. And, and in essence, he is punished. Now, Paul, he, he goes where God is calling him to go. He says, my mind, my spirit, my soul was not at peace because my brother Titus wasn't there. So I said farewell, and I went on to Macedonia. But listen, Paul doesn't get punished for leaving the place that God has called him. Do you know why? And it, I guess I'm not really asking you. <laughs> but like, here's why. Verse 14, here's why. Because Paul's understanding of the way his faith worked was so much bigger than the finite understanding that Jonah had. Here's what Paul says. Thanks be to God who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession and through us spreads where? In every place the fragrance that comes from knowing him. For we are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To the one, a fragrance from death to death, but to the other, a fragrance from life to life. You see, Paul understood. Like, yeah, if God opens a door, you walk through that door. Like, Paul, of all people, knows, like, if God wants you to do something, he's going to literally knock you off your donkey and force you to go where God wants. Like, you know, if God has that plan for you, he's going to do it. But Paul also understood that when you give your life to Christ... And when you live a life that is devoted to bringing honor and glory to God, you can do it in Troas, you can do it in Macedonia, you can do it in Jerusalem. Paul could have done this anywhere he went because he knew that his life was an aroma to Christ. And you know why that's, he's saying this? Because he had earlier had said that our life is a living sacrifice. It is a living offering. Everything that you do is a living offering to God. 
and we become this pleasing aroma when you live full tilt, living your life, surrender to Christ, and allowing God to, to take you wherever you need to go. And regardless of where you go, you can always be this aroma of Christ. So if there's someone here who says, man, you don't know, you don't know the people I work with, and you don't know my job, and it's terrible there, I would say, yeah, that, I don't. But I know that what you have control over is whether you are connecting to Christ every day and whether you are allowing your life to be a pleasing aroma to God. Listen to what that says. It's a pleasing aroma to who? To God. See, everything that we do, everything that you say, every step that you take, like every thought that you have, if you're living in honor and glory for God, it doesn't matter where you go. All that matters is that you have committed to this way of life. Now, I know for us, and this sermon is not about me, but I know for us, especially in the transition that we're about to take in the next several weeks, for us, this passage has been one of those moments where we just knew that God was calling us wherever we go, we have the option to either be an aroma to Christ or only to take credit for ourselves. This story has been central because it's telling us that it doesn't matter where you live or where you go or where you work or what school you attend or whatever relationship you're in, but what matters is are you living a life as a pleasing aroma to God? So how do we listen to the will of God? How do we discern the reality is, is God is first and foremost calling you into a relationship with him. God is calling you to enter into this relationship that will last for all eternity. And when you've come to the saving knowledge of Christ, you will want to live your life in such a way that brings this honor, that brings this glory, that, that we live in such a way where we are wanting to be a joy to God. And when you've understood that, then you can understand life the way Paul did, where wherever you go, whether it's Troas or Macedonia, you can be a pleasing aroma to God. And so I want to look at another passage, and I think it's in Romans chapter 2. So this is like the highlight reel for Paul's theology. I didn't realize this. Romans chapter 2. And continuing to ask the question, how do we discern what God wants for us and from us? Romans chapter 2, verse 15. So I'll give you context after I read the verse. They show that what the law requires is written on their hearts to which their own conscience also bears witness. So just pause there. So like, obviously, if we pull this out of the context, it's like, what is, it doesn't make any sense. But this is, within, the, within this chapter, Paul is saying that we all have this basic knowledge of who God is. And written onto our very hearts is the will and desires of God. All right, so that's what he's saying. He's saying even people that don't believe in Jesus have this, it's built into their heart. Like, that's what Paul is saying. And so what he's saying is this. He says, and they even understand it in their conscience. So one of the other ways that you learn to listen to the Spirit of God is you learn to listen to your own conscience. You know, when we were making this decision, Kara and I, we, we had to ask ourselves, are, are we at peace with making this decision? Because I can tell you that there were a lot of other opportunities that had been come our way, and we never once felt at peace with it. And so we just said, no, we're not interested, we're not interested. And so we had to constantly seek God alone and seek God together to know where God was leading us as a couple. Like, it wasn't just my decision to make. 
And so what we see in Scripture is that God speaks to you in your conscience. And you know, like, you know when your conscience is telling you, like, yeah, there's a red flag here. Pay attention to this. We know that. But a lot of times we just ignore that because we're like, well, I live by grace. I can do whatever I want. I mean, maybe we don't say it like that, but we kind of do sometimes. And so God speaks to us through our conscience, and he says, like, whoa, be careful. And you know when that happens because your anxiety goes up? You start worrying about, like, "Uh uh-oh, who's around to see what I'm about to do? Right? You, you start worrying, people start lying, people, and so your conscience is like, is, is God's internal bar- barometer for you to say, like, be careful, be careful. Because see, the Holy Spirit of God is continuously communicating to you. The Spirit of God lives within us. Jesus makes his home within our hearts. But so many times we try to edge God out and say, Jesus, I'll see you on Sabbath at church, but these six days of the week are for me. But the conscience never stops. You know, I remember growing up, I, I've always, for whatever reason, I've always had an issue falling asleep at night. And um, I don't know. I don't know what it is. I like to think that it's because I'm a genius and my mind is constantly at work. But um, let's just be real. It's not. But I've always had an issue falling asleep. And growing up, you know, I'd just be up late and my mom would be like, it's past your bedtime. And I'd be like, I, just, I can't sleep. And she would always say, well what's on your conscience? What are, you feel, what are you feeling bad about? I'm like, nothing. Like, I just can't fall asleep, you know? And she'll still to this day, if I tell her, she, it's like one of those little inside jokes. But it's true. Because when something is gnawing at your conscience, you know. You see, that's not just your goodness within you that's telling you. That's like God being like, pay attention to what you're about to doing, what you're about to do. So when you learn to discern the will of God, it's about... Learning to listen to the voice of God that is telling your conscience not to do that thing that you're going to do. There's other times, though, let's be real, where there's two choices that are set before you, two really great choices, and I think, as we've seen in this story, that God says, hey, I'll let you choose. <laughs> you can, and, and, and this is where, for us, it's like, you can stay in orange, and I'm going to honor and bless that, and it's going to be awesome. Or you can go to Bolingbroke, and God's like, you're probably going to freeze four months out of the year, and you're going to sweat through the humidity in the summer, but if that's where you want to go, I guess I'll have to help you along the way. But like, sometimes God does that, because, because God's will, as Paul says, is ultimately accomplished. You see, God doesn't need any of us for his will to be accomplished. He invites us to participate in what he's already doing in this world. And so, and so when, we, when we come to this story where Paul says, like, he leads us, in triumphal procession from faith to faith. If you are living a life that is connected to God, no matter where you go, no matter what job you take, no matter who you marry, no matter what school you pick, no matter what you do, if you have this relationship with God, God will lead you in triumphal procession. And, and that phrase, from faith to faith, means that he will give you one level of faith to the next level of faith to the next level of faith. God will strengthen your faith every step of the journey. You know, and another way that God speaks to us and we learn to discern our will is whether the people closest to you affirm the decision that you're making. So do the people that care and love you the most, are they affirming the decision that you are making? You see, because God uses other people to help affirm the things that go on in our lives. We don't, we don't, we're not an island unto ourselves. 
Like, that's why we come to church, because we're a family and we bear one another's burdens. I mean, it's like that joke of the guy who, that's a terrible segue, but it's like that joke of the guy who's stranded on an island, he's on a boat, he's stranded on an island, and there's a boat that comes by and he says, hey, like, do you want to ride back to the mainland? He says, no, 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 like, God's going to help me. And then there's a helicopter that comes and they give him a rope and they said, hey, do you want to ride to the mainland? And he's like, no, 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 like, God's going to come help me. There's a third one. What's the third one? Do we know? Well, anyways, it doesn't matter. And so then he prays to God and he says, hey, God, why am I still stranded here all this time? Why don't you help me? And God says, well, I sent that ship. I sent that helicopter. Like, I've been giving you this help, but you just haven't been paying attention. So when we learn to listen to God's will, God will put people into your life. Tell me amen if that's not, if it's true. God will put people in your life at just the right time. And I'm sorry to tell you, but oftentimes God will tell you like at the very last moment. You know why he does that? I, this is my, my experience. Because it leads you to put your full trust in him and trust that when the right moment comes, the kairos, that appointed time for you to know, you will know. I mean, you've heard this story. I was at Pine Springs Ranch, and I was seriously questioning my call and, and, and wondering if I, would, if I should even get into more school debt and go to Andrews University, where I had to take out school loans to be able to pay for my graduate program. And I remember just wrestling with that, and it was during the time when the real estate market was, like, everyone was a real estate agent, you know? So I said, I could do that for a couple of years, make a ton of money, and then earn enough money to go. And, and this pastor, Eric Pednick, comes and, he, and we, for hours we spoke until like three in the morning and he says, I am here to tell you, after he heard everything, I'm here to tell you that you need to go to Andrews University for seminary. There was another time in my life again and, 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 and it was just this moment where I was just feeling down. I think it was after a breakup. Also, I was in college, so like things seemed worse. And I remember I ran into this, it was a friend of one of my brothers and sisters, so they were older, and I was at the library, and we just started talking, and she was just there to kind of affirm me and just remind me, like, yo, this isn't the end. Like, we know that intellectually, but when someone else that has seen you grow up comes and walks alongside you, it's like, yeah, things are going to get better. You know, and, and so as a church, we can learn to affirm and care for one another. And so we learn to listen to the will of God when we learn and hear from the affirmations of others. And by the way, there will be times when it's not an affirmation, but someone says, hey, I really, I really think this is a mistake. And we have to have the willingness to say, well, if this is a mistake, I want to give honor and glory to God, and I need the faith I need to be able to make this hard decision. Because not everything in life is yes. There's a lot of things in life that are like, no, don't even think about it. And we learn to listen to the affirmations of others and the counsel of others. You know, and I've been blessed in this church where I've had people who have done both, affirmed me and also been like, hey, is this the right thing that we're about to do? And you have to have enough humility to be able to say, no, maybe you're right. You see, so there is, there is so much that God is, con- like, like here's the thing, we're, God creates us. If you missed last week's sermon or the sermon before, God creates us because you are the object of God's affection. He creates you to be in relationship with him that begins here on this earth in this life that will extend for all eternity. And God is asking you, 
to participate in what he's already doing in this life. And God knows that if you give your life to Christ in such a way where you just want to give him honor and glory, the promise in Scripture is that he will lead you in triumphal procession and give you faith and more faith. Like, he doesn't say, oh, you're going to suffer a lot. No, he's like, we will lead you in triumphal procession. Like, you will triumph even in the darkness, even in the hard moments of life. Even when you want to give up, I will lead you in triumph if you will only trust that I want the very best for you. So whether you go to Troas or Macedonia, I don't think the location is as important as whether you are willing to live your life in such a way where always you will bring honor and glory to God. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you make some things so easy and other things so hard. But Father, we claim the promise, and I claim the promise for my family here, that you would lead them in triumphal procession from faith to faith, that they would be a pleasing aroma to you, Father. Father, we want to do your will. And we want to walk through the doors that you open. We just ask that you would give us the faith, the wisdom and the understanding to be able to listen when you speak. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.